Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Well, for the last eight weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be a disciple. We talked about a disciple being a student, a learner, uh, a follower, a, uh, a, a copycat, more or less, to, to copy the master copy. Um, we talked about discipleship in the context of our being followers, of our being harvesters, messengers, of our being vulnerable. We talked about disciples are all in. Disciples are givers, fruit bearers, and disciples have been set free. And today, we're going to culminate this, this series with looking at our discipleship through the lens of love. The disciples are called to love each other. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. You want to turn there? The text will be on the screen. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through verse 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. <clears throat> Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. Those who love well, first of all, know the source of love. Those who love well know the source of love. Verse 7 speaks to that. Dear friends, let us love one another for, watch this, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, many refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the love chapter, and it is that. It, it's, it is, uh, for the most part, about love. But it tells more about what love does and uh, how, how love is lived out. 1 John 4 gets to the core and tells where love comes from, what love is and where it comes from, uh, why that matters, especially in the context of how we're to love each other. Verses 7 and 8 together tell us that God didn't create love as an entity, but that he rather is love instead. Love's not a creation. Love's not something God thought of to say, hey, let, me, let, me, let me create something emotional, something affectionate, something deep, something. No, he said, I am that. And if you want to know love, you know me. So the question has to come, can an unbeliever love someone else? Can someone love apart from knowing God? Well, as controversial as this is going to sound to you, according to this text, no, they can't. They can have deep affection. They can have, you define it however you want to. But in, in, in all uh, truth, love is found only from God and in God and can only be given from a vantage point of knowing Him. So um, I had somebody come up to me after I, I was teaching the, uh, on this same passage, but in a different context, one time, I said, Tim, my sister doesn't know, doesn't know Christ. 
Yeah, she's got three kids. You tell me she don't love those three kids? I said, what do you think First John 4 said? It said, God is love, yeah? And no one can love apart from God, yeah? So what do you think? I don't know. And I said, that's harsh truth to have to live. But if God is love and we can't love apart from knowing him and, and walking in him, then we can have deep affection, deep intimacy. But it really isn't love as if we know him. That's why it's so important to know him uh, so that we can experience that love at a, at a much deeper level. Um, they, as I said, they can certainly have deep affection and deep emotion, uh, deep conviction, but that the source of love is God. That's why the love believers are seeking to become, when believers are seeking to become disciples of here, that's why living out and, and, and dying to ourselves and picking up this love mantra and living and walking it out is so important because it, it moves us, learning to love as Christ love, moves us to a deeper place. It has to. We can't stay in the same place and and love in our own strength. Uh, it's, it's important as well that the world, the world sees how we love because it defines us. We'll look at that just a, more, a little bit more in just a moment. But, but those who love well know the source of love, and that source is God himself. Secondly, those who love well know the sacrifice of love. Look at verse 10 with me. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So then our ability to love each other is totally dependent on our having received, our having accepted the love of his son Jesus and his death on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. So receiving and experiencing that perfect love enables us to love because we understand the sacrifice made to, to, for us to, enable, to be able to receive it. So when I do pre-marriage counseling with, with couples, I will often tell them something to the effect of, um, as you get older in your marriage, you, you're gonna look back on courtship and dating and, and the affection you feel today for each other and the affection you, you're gonna feel over years for each other. But, and you do love, love each other, I don't doubt that. But it's not at the level of love that you're going to have down the road. Because you're going to see, the longer you're married, the sacrifices love makes one for each other. And when you see the sacrifices that love makes, that love grows to a deeper place. It gives you a deeper understanding of the love that that person has for you and you for them. So as you're defining it today, yes, you love each other, but you don't really know what love is yet. And you, you will with mileage, mileage, mileage in, in, in a certain direction, in, in a godly direction, will teach us that. But apart from God, we can't experience that. And apart from sacrifice, we can't experience that either because those who love will know the sacrifice. It's, uh, it's sacrificial for others. In fact, love that hasn't cost you something isn't love at all. You may have some level of affection, but if it hasn't cost you something, you can't really define it as love because love sacrifices. Thirdly, those who love well know the source of love, know the sacrifice of love. But thirdly, those who love well know the reason for love. Look at verse 11. The reason for love. He says in verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We looked at the what 
and the how when it comes to love. Here is the why. We're to love one another because he loved us. How, lo how God loves is explainable. We just looked at it, how he loves. Why God loves, I have no explanation for. My best, my best explanation is not good enough because I don't get why he loves us. I don't understand that because I know <clears throat> how unlovable I am. And I know how unlovable the rest of you are too. And there is nothing in us meritorious enough for God's love to be poured on, into us and on us. And why he loves, I don't know. How he loves, I get it. I understand. I don't, I don't, I don't love like that yet. But I understand how he loves. But the why of his love, the reason for his love, uh, still blows me away today. But he loves us anyway. Consequently, love is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's not an affection or even a devotion. Now, love can have emotion. Love can have affection. Love can have devotion. But at its core, love is a choice. It's a choice we make as to how we're going to respond to God and to others. It's a choice we make every day. So then our love for each other, when we do that, we don't love just because we're lovable or the other one is lovable. We love because uh, we're called to be disciples of his, and that's what disciples of his do. We make the choice to love. He makes the choice to continue to love us beyond the cross, and we make choices daily to, to, to love others beyond their love, their, their, their ability to be loved, and ours as well. Uh, there's some things that heaven will only reveal, and, and why he, the why of his love is one of those things that heaven's going to reveal. We can't, or at least my finite mind can't get it. Maybe yours can, but my finite mind can't get my mind around the why of his love. Heaven will, will be a revelation in that regard as well. Uh, but his love is the reason we love. Fourthly, those who love know the source, know the sacrifice, and know the reason for love. But fourthly, those who love well make his love known. We make his love known. Look at verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another, God lives in us. This verse is, begins with the phrase, no one has ever seen God. So the implication there is they're going to see God by your love for each other. His, his, his greatest revelation, his, the, the curtains being pulled back on who God is, why he does what he does, and how he does what he does, is as we pull the curtains back on how we love each other, and that is seen and noticed by those around us, the world around us. Uh, that's, that's the way of, uh, that his love is to be revealed in us. Uh, it's, it's our call as disciples to make him known, and we do that by our love for each other. Why do I say that? Uh, that it depends on us, because look at the last two words of this, of this uh, last phrase of this verse. His love is made complete in us. His, his love is made complete in us, meaning that we are the vehicles to this reveal. We're the vehicles to the revelation of his love to the world. He's called us to be the vehicles for that. Uh, why he chooses to use us to make himself known, I don't understand either, because on our best day, we don't do that very well. Most of us don't. Uh, if, if I'll ever understand, I'll never understand that, but he, he loves us in that way. Uh, so are you making him known? This, another way to ask that same question is, are you loving each other well? And that starts within the body of Christ. We're called to love each other well. Uh, John puts it another way in the Gospel of John. Chapter 13, verse 35, he says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. 
if you love one another. Uh, you see, that's the greatest evidence of your belonging to me is your love for each other. In essence, we're family, and we should love like family loves, unconditionally, intentionally, sacrificially. That's how Christ loves us, and he gave himself for us, and he calls us to love in that way. Have you ever considered that we're called to love each other because each of us need to be loved? We're called to give it away before ever receiving it because we need to receive it. And he, he calls us to, that, that, that interplay between believers, I think is what he's talking about here in his text. We need each other's love. So a couple of questions as we wrap. If the way you love is the way the world sees your God, what are they seeing? What are they seeing through, you, through, through the way you love? That's the way they're going to see your God. That's yes, just what he said here in this passage. What are folks around you seeing and how you love each other? You think, Tim, nobody's looking at my life. Everybody's looking at your life. Everybody in your world is looking at how you handle adversity, whether it causes you to run away from God or to him, how you handle success, whether it causes you to praise God or, or take the glory yourself. Everybody sees the way you interact, and if that interaction is done in love, they see that too. Uh, they're looking for that. It, it, it's a, a much louder witness than you think it is. The second question is this. If the way you love is the way you are loved, what are others receiving from you? If the way you love is the way you, you are loved, what are others receiving from you? Because a true disciple is laying down everything, every day, and loving well. A true disciple is laying down everything every day and following well, harvesting well, messaging well, making him or herself vulnerable to God and to others. A true disciple is all in. A true disciple gives himself or herself away on a regular basis. A true disciple bears fruit. A true disciple lives in freedom. And a true disciple loves each other well. Um, does that look like your life? Say, I don't know that I really want to be a disciple. <laughs> I get it. I understand it. Uh, because it's, it's taking our commitment to a deeper level. It's, it's, it's making a deeper investment in, in faith than we've ever made before. What I'm here to tell you today, this morning, is it's worth it. It's worth it. To get out of the shallow end, step into the deep end. Is it easy? No, it's not. I'm here to tell you it's worth it. It's worth it to walk in that place. It's worth it to understand him in that way. It's worth it to see more quickly and more clearly through his lens than yours. You can more quickly see what he's up to around you, in you, through you, when you're walking with him at a deeper level. That's what disciples do. It's worth it to, to follow after him and to mimic him and to copycat the things you see in this book. It's worth it every step. Uh, and that kind of life is a contagious life. That kind of life has people around you going, really? Yeah. Yeah, for real. He's, he means that much to me. And I want to, so I'm going to encourage you that you've been in the shallow end of the pool maybe for decades, and you find yourself thinking, this thing of discipleship is real. And there's tons of scripture. To, we, we just looked at a bunch of scripture over the last nine weeks. 
There's tons of scripture that, that says that's where I should be. That's where I should want to walk. Yet, I'm not there. Uh, I'm not there yet. I, I, want, I want that for my life. I want that for my walk. I want that for my witness. So how, how do I get there? Go back and revisit, revisit these messages on, on, online, on Facebook, or on our webpage. Uh, and download the podcast and listen to these because... Um, In every believer, there's a hunger. I'm trying to describe it another way, but that's the simplest way I know how to put it. There's a hunger. There's a, there's a wonderment of what do I not know that I need to know? What have I not experienced that I need to experience? What is there out, left out there that I have not scratched the surface of yet? That sense of Longing, that sense of wonder, that sense of unrest, that sense of scratching that itch. It's why God sent the Holy Spirit to live in our life, to stir us toward godliness, to stir us toward a depth that we've not experienced yet, to, to stir us toward discipleship, to, to, to create a longing that says, I, I want to know him more. In fact, I have to know him more because I realize I got nothing apart from him. And my life apart from him is pretty meaningless. I mean, I'm, I'm working a job, I'm paying bills, and is that all there is? What I want you to hear is no, it's not all there is. There's a deeper walk, and disciples are the ones who chase it, who find it, and who walk in it. I want to encourage you in that direction today. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, today would you stir up in us a hunger that is unlike anything else a hunger that food won't fill, that an, a substance and addiction won't fill, that a, a substitute relationship won't fill, that a job won't fill, that money won't fill, that kids won't fill. That it's a hunger that nothing else will fill but you. And that hunger is, I'm still in the shallow end of the pool and I know there's more. I want to experience more. And I, I'm willing to do today whatever it takes to walk in that direction. As I take the first step, will you encourage me with your word? Will you encourage me with your spirit? Will you give me the defense mechanisms I need to, to keep the enemy at bay? Because me wanting to walk more intimately with you, he's going to come after me when I do. So give me what I need to, to, to defend him. Give me the things I need from, from your word to defend him. Story in us, Lord, the hunger that says, i got to move from where I am. I can't stay here anymore. I understand that that there's more and that life is, is about much more than just what I've experienced here. I understand that this life is about the next one. That the investments I make here, if they don't matter there, they're all going to burn up. So stir in me a, a life that matters, a life that has eternal significance, a life that sees through a different lens than the rest of this world looks at, a life that longs for intimacy with you and walks not walks, runs toward that as fast as we can. Give us that longing today that only you can fulfill. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.